We are finishing up a walk through every one of the Gospels that's taken us a few years. And that's, uh, that's kind of exciting. I printed out more than are going to be here today because when we really roll out the new class will be, um, well, we start it next week. We start the book of, of uh, James next week. Uh, but then there will be a two-week break because I will be away. Uh, I didn't even say where. Uh, the, first, uh, the last Sunday of the month, I'm going to be speaking in Knoxville. Uh, and then the first Sunday, uh, November 1st, I'm actually speaking at, what do they call it, War Memorial Auditorium. It's the big stadium in Little Rock. Um, the churches are, we're having a gathered worship for the churches in the city. And they asked me to come and be the speaker. So I'll be doing that and praying for good weather because I'll be standing on the field. That's the only way, actually, that I can step foot on a football field because there is no talent uh, involved in, in the football style. We are in John 21. John 21. Afterward, now this is after he's appeared to the apostles twice, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. I love, I lo I love that. That's kind of the story starting. Uh, in Breton, we would listen to the wireless, which is what you'd call the radio. Um, and there were story times. And we had telly. You know, we, we were modern. We had two, sometimes three channels. But uh, BBC One, BBC Two. Uh, but the, wire, the stories, I've always liked to hear stories. I do audio books a lot. So I can put the, my pictures in my head. And the way they would start the stories for children were, are you seated comfortably? Then I'll begin. I go, oh, I love that. That's just that's, that's a great opening. And so here he goes. It happened this way: Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them. Uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm, when I do that, I've, in some places I go, they say he didn't sound like that. Well, he didn't say I'm going fishing, y'all either. You know, let's be honest. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just really quick here. Um, I've heard several sermons about how they abandoned all and gave away all their worldly goods to follow Jesus. I don't, man, they did a whole lot. And it's wonderful, but they did keep their boats. The business was still going. Uh, and and I, I say that not to diminish their sacrifice at all, but rather to, to encourage you that following Jesus doesn't always mean a life of abject poverty. You know, you, he understands you can use your gifts, and so the boat's there. All right, here we go. They got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. This is usually my fishing experience. Not a, not a fisherman. I always take a book to read, and it aggravates my father-in-law. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. I just love this picture. Dawn is coming up. They're tired. They're grumpy. Been out all night. Nothing to show for it. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. Now, it just says, when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. I would like to have known more there, wouldn't you? Um, as in, there's a stranger on the shore saying, 
well, you just didn't throw it on the right side. You're going, we're professionals. We do this for a living. We're not making one tonight. But there had to have been some internal dialogue, and I would have loved to have heard all of that on the vote, and what the vote was to finally throw the net over. You know, what could it hurt? Uh, and they couldn't even bring it in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. I love that. They're going, really? Okay, one more time, throw it over. <laughs> the fish, and one of the guys goes, that's Jesus. Immediately when they saw what was going on, they knew that's a Jesus thing. This is what Jesus would do. Uh, and again, it's a great story. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. You basically worked with as little clothes on as possible. Because you didn't have a lot of clothes. And you can't mess up the one clothes you've got. We've talked about this before. That... Um, People did not marry because they were pretty or in love. They married because, well, she's got hips for ch children and she knows how to make a shirt. You know, that was that. You know, we're in. And, and the guy, he, he seems to have a job and he's not currently under indictment. You know, the, the, the standards were very much lower back then. Uh, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards when they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And I'm, man, it, they're leaving out so much. First of all, Peter heard this guy say, it's the Lord, didn't wait to confirm it, grabbed his clothes and jumped in the water. That's Peter. That's Peter. Who, um, Peter and John ran to the empty tomb. Who got there first? Remember? John did. Who went in first? Peter. He didn't slow down. John had a brain. He stops. I don't want to look in the cave first. But there goes Peter. Um, I love Peter. I do. Have your actions or your words ever gotten ahead of your brain? That's Peter. That's Peter. Well, moving along. Um, and you know, then they're dragging a fish in. You don't abandon the fish. This is your money. When they land there, they saw a fire burning coal there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus wasn't asking. He already had fish ready for him. He already had bread ready for him. He'd cooked breakfast. Simon, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in. Who else? Climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They, they knew it was the Lord. Now that's a weird, that's a weird thing, isn't it? Now normally, um, we used to have normal, remember normal? We would have a microphone to pass about for questions. If you have a question or a comment, uh, I will have to repeat it for those watching live stream. And many more watch live stream than are here. I also want to bring up that we love Albert Lemons and his comments, but he can't be here because not only of his age, but he is caring for his wife, Patsy, who has serious health issues, um, long-term health issues. And so we told Albert, we're paying you, stay home. <laughs> Just stay home, take care of Miss Patsy because they are a team. I've never seen a family that was a, a couple more of a team. And so 
I say that because I really miss Albert's comments. Uh, and we, I just love the guy. He's, he's great. And I even, I especially like it when we don't agree. Have you noticed that? We don't agree on all things, but the, the respect is always total. It's just, it's cool. By the way, that's, I needed to say that. Um, I think I'll put it in an e-blast. I've had several people ask me questions about hell. I would like to do a couple of weeks on that, but I'm waiting for Albert to be back because he disagrees with me. And I feel like it's, it would be disrespectful for just me to present. I think, I think you need to hear both. Uh, and by the way, we disagree with each other and smile and hug. What a guy. Moving on, why would they not know for sure? Well, we don't know how dark it is yet. Remember, they fished in the dark and the dawn is coming. So we don't know what the light was like. Plus, Jesus came back with the body he took in, which means hurt, swollen. I watched a show last night, um, which is a brilliant show, by the way, and I don't say that lightly. We bought our phones and they gave us a year of Apple TV and we ignored it. And then we found Greyhound, I think it was, the submarine movie with Tom Hanks. Oh my goodness, that was good. There's a new series, if you have Apple TV, called Tehran. It's the name of the capital, Iran. It's made in Israel, and you have to have the subtitles because it's in little English and then Hebrew and Arabic. I've never seen a movie, rather a series, like it beats 24, if you remember the glory days of 24. You're just... You know, and one of us will blink and miss a word, not we have to call out the word and pause it. It's great stuff, but the lady gets kicked and beaten, and she walks out with a bloodied face. Two days later, there's just a couple small marks. I'm going, that's not the way this works in reality. Have you ever gone to visit somebody who's been badly injured in a car accident, let's say, or a beating, and when you walk into the room, you can't recognize them? I have. And so I understand how this can work. They're, remember, he's going to have teeth missing because he was beaten. Uh, it's going to be tough. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now, this is the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, this is the exchange that has launched a thousand sermons. I'm going I'm to be really upfront. I always do this with you. Whenever we come to phrasing in Greek, I don't read Greek. I, I know several languages, but Greek's not one of them. I am not going to learn Greek because I don't have to. I know people. And so I check, I go to the experts. It's the same reason why if something's wrong with my hip, I'm not going to diagnose it. I go to an MD or a DO and say there's something wrong with my hip. That's your job. 
doctor guy, do it, doctor lady. Um, I have to go check. And from what I'm hearing, a lot of those sermons just aren't, missed, aren't getting it. They'll say, he uses a different word for sheep, uses a different word for love. Really, it's, it is so complicated. It could be that Jesus is just saying, Peter, what are you doing? Fishing. When you have a risen Lord, why are you still here and not proclaiming it? Not going where I told you to go, feeding the sheep along the way. And he says lambs. He does say lambs and then sheep, which is very important because Jesus, when he preached, when he taught, wouldn't have heard a lamb. He found a way to love even the little ones. Remember, he'd stop church for them. I know they weren't doing church. Work with me. They would stop church and just let the little kids come up and, and hug and talk to Jesus and touch him. He wants us to make sure we never, never ever with our self-righteousness or with our surety of doctrine that we break a bruised reed or we put out a smoldering wick. You be gentle, Peter. Peter, be careful. But what are you doing? Do you love me? Peter was a little taken back by this. Um, I, I get that. You know, if, if Cammie came to me and said, do you love me? Uh, the first time I think she was just kind of playing around and wanted me to tell her I love her. Because we do that every day anyway, several times. It's just, we do. Uh, I don't understand why people wouldn't. So, you know, I'd say, you know, yes, I do. And then she might... Uh, if she looked at me, he goes, Patrick, son of Bill. <laughs> Which there are times that she's, she's called me Bill, and it was not a compliment. Uh, do you love me? And I went, yeah, yes. My, what are you, guys, you're in the room. What are you going to be thinking? What did I do? What did I say? What, what did I forget to do? Oh, that's even worse. That's a longer list. We'd be struggling third time. There's a rhythm in Hebrew. And remember this, they weren't having this conversation in Greek. They were probably having it in Aramaic, which is not Hebrew, but it's related to Hebrew. Um, it's rather, if you don't understand that, they grow from the same branch off the same tree, but they are not mutually understandable to each other and let, uh, in, in whole, for example, in Scottish Gaelic, all Gaelic came from one tree. Welsh Gaelic separated early. Nobody can understand Welsh Gaelic. I'm not sure they can. Scottish Gaelic and Irish Gaelic are closer. They split only several hundred years back. So in Scotland, for me to say, I am Patrick, it's Hami Fiedrig. But in Ireland, it would say, Misa Fadric. And you're thinking, well, pretty close exactly but not the same so they're having this in aramaic it's being translated into greek that's why i'm always going oh let's not put too much into what words let's see what they're doing there's a rhythm in hebrew thought where you say something three times and it's not just hebrew thought it's semitic thought to uh, in muslim countries a man can divorce his wife by saying i divorce you three times um, it is that simple. Three times. Some of you are going, dude. Um, 
you know, because you, you could walk around saying, I divorce you, that's one. You know, that sort of thing. I would not recommend it because they know where you sleep. The, um, the cycle of three, think of three and seven, three and seven, especially as you go into Revelation. Three is a number of complete, totality. Seven is a number of perfection. Jesus isn't asking for perfection. He just wants Peter to love him and not have a corner of him that doesn't love him. Are you all in? When you're asked three times, the reason he's hurt is not because Jesus is repeating, it's because he said it three times and he's getting what Jesus said. Are you really all in? And he then explains the problem. If you're all in, you're going to face the first death because of it. Very much like the angels to the churches. Look what he says. Oh, did you want to say anything, guys? Women? Right. Um, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Now, if he'd stopped there and we are not Semitic, we would have gone, yeah, that's the way that works. You know, I, um, walking with my father and some others, but especially with my father, uh, has changed some of my verbiage. All my life, I've not been afraid of death. I'm not afraid of it now. If death takes me today, I think it's kind of a plus. I still have insurance. Cammy will do all right. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But dying has rattled me more. Because it took him six years, seven years to die. And it wasn't easy for him. It wasn't easy for us, but, you know, let's not make it all about us. And so if you say this to a person, you know, one of these days you're going to get old and you're not going to be able to... We all go, yeah, we get it. Because we're not Semitic, we take a story at face value and we run, ignoring there's something here. Peter, you used to be able to jump off the boat when you wanted to. You used to be able to go fishing if you wanted to. But if you love me, it's going to take you to a place you do not want to go. Do you love me? See now the depth of this? Why he says it three times? That is, like I said, that is complete total. Seven is perfection. God never asks for perfection from us. He, he'll, he'll take the three. And by the way, if you want a really fun study, uh, and it might be my definition of fun, go through Revelation and see the things that are repeated three times and the things that are repeated seven times. They are different. And it's pretty cool. All right. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Stop right there. Who among us would have put glorified God? I mean, I've been working for Jesus my whole life. I've been in the ministry over 40 years. And I would have written, suffer. The death he would suffer. I might, on a good day, put the death he would accomplish. Jesus is asking, are you willing to be so far in, all in, that you're willing to die a death that glorifies me? 
that's pretty serious stuff. By the way, dating? Did he die a death that glorified God? You're nodding, yeah, I agree. It is not in scripture. And there are those that question the account, but we have it from a couple of different places and they are really close to being contemporaneous. That Peter never stepped foot in Rome until he came as a prisoner condemned to death. Um, the church in Rome was started by people we don't know. Uh, it was not started by Paul. He made that very clear when he wrote the book of Romans. Peter didn't get there until the end of his life. He worked in Jerusalem almost all of his life and the environs of Jerusalem. But he was taken as a prisoner uh, to be killed. Tradition, and again, it's old enough to almost be history, says that when they brought him to the cross to crucify him, he said, I, I don't deserve to die in the same way my master did. So crucify me upside down. And they did. Most likely on an X-shaped cross, but it could have been the, the T. They had many forms of crosses. Um, I say many. How many can you have? Three or four that they rotated according to what they had. Um, but he was, they tend to say it was an X. They say Andrew was that way as well. That's why St. Andrew's cross you find on like, like the flag of Scotland, the Union Jack of, of Great Britain, and a lot of others has that X on it. Um, again, Andrew, though, that's going to have to be tradition. Peter's probably history. And are you willing to glorify me? And then he said to him, follow me. I'm getting chills. Seriously, I have chills right now. I've been doing this my whole life. This story still hits me because what Jesus is asking is all you've got. And nothing less. Let's go. You ready? Somewhat like, and I mentioned this uh, when Jesus said, it is finished and into my hands I commit my spirit. It's, rather, it's reminiscent of the men in the flight over Shanksville, Pennsylvania, saying the Lord's Prayer and saying, let's go or let's roll. They knew they were going to die. They knew it was not, they were not going to win this battle, but they were not going to let that plane get to D.C. They were going to take it down. Jesus is saying, you got this, Peter? You ready? And by the way, application time, what about us? We're the same. You know, um, Peter, I love this because he's so human. Peter turned, because if we wrote this, Peter would have, you know, taken us all in. They'd had a deep discussion. No, nope. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. This is the one that leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? <laughs> I love Peter. You know, I don't mind dying for you, but they better have to as well, because I don't really. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Can you see the reason why we don't rush past this chapter today? We really need to feel the weight of it. I do not know if God is asking me to die that kind of death. I, I don't know. I didn't get the, the blessing of walking with him along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. But you have to be ready. Whatever he asks, you have to be ready. I, um, there have been many times where I've told Cammie, uh, I'm not the man for this, but I'm the man that's here. 
You know, you look around and go, I guess it's up to me. And you go in, and it's, sometimes it is just not pleasant at all. I can remember one time we drove all the way to Tulsa, and they wanted me to speak about a certain subject. And I told you, um, if I do this, there are going to be ramifications. But they said, no, we want you to. And I can remember I got out of our truck that day. We were driving in. We lived in Colorado Springs. So we drove all the way there. And I actually leaned up against the truck, put my head down, thinking, saying, I don't know if I can walk in. And it took a while. I want you to know that. I want you to know that I struggle with this, saying, ah, there's going to be a cost to going in. God was with me. They didn't stone me to death. Tulsa people were great. But there were ramifications. Some things said there were quoted against me later. That's okay. It's just sometimes you have to accept all right, God's asking something pretty big here. Are we able to do it? He was here, and Jesus said, what if I turn around, though, and um, let's say Doug Buttrey has a friend who said, you know, I just won the lotto, and I don't really have a place to put the $20 million. I'm giving it to you. And I'm going, wait, I'm over here being hated. Why did he get it? And Jesus would say, what is that to you? Okay. <laughs> Jesus blesses us all in different ways, and he withholds some blessings, but it's his to decide. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Um, I, we raised our kids to understand that you cannot change the flow of the universe, and you are not in charge of the universe. You are in charge of you and what you do wherever you are. That's all you've got. That's the only thing you control. If you've never read it, it is a short book. It is life-changing. It's called A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. F-R-A-N-K-E-L. Um, anybody read it in the room? Glenn has. Uh, it's like 100 pages. Now, when you buy the book... It may have 200 because it's going to have notes and extra papers in it. The, the, Victor Frankl was the uh, eminent professor, that's the title, eminent, eminent professor of psychiatry at the University of Vienna. And then the Nazis came. Um, this is not a spoiler alert because um, we understand what the war was. He lost his entire family, died in the camps. They were separated. Shortening it, he looked about in desperation and saw that some people died but some people didn't stayed alive now they were not bowing to the, the the germans they were not going along collaborating and he asked one of them once how do you stay alive and the man pointed down to the the puddle that was their water supply for the day they were digging in frozen ground laying some sort of lines he said what do you see I see a dirty puddle with oil and slick all over it, and that's all we have to drink. The man goes, I see the rainbow. If you've ever been around oil and water, you know what that. And Frankel began to see that it's what you choose to see and understand what you control and what you don't that will decide whether you live or die. And the fact is, that's all that you've got. The only possession a human being has 
is their choice. That's it. Every one of us, and this sounds like a downer, but I'm, I'm just, it really isn't. Once you understand this, I think it empowers us. All of us are one virus or one lawsuit away from abject poverty. You don't own your health. You don't own your stuff. You own your choice. What will you do with the hand you're dealt? What will you do? And this is something which Peter had to get. And I think we have to get as well because God did not do cookie-cutter Christians. He's got all kinds of plans for all kinds of people. He's turned them loose. Don't be staring at the other guy's paper. Do your own work. And um, I get it, even though he still has to kick me every now and then. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die, but Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Um, this all sounds very different than the rest of the book, and some people believe it was added later. Uh, I think it probably was too, but I believe it was written still under the inspiration of God. I, there's nowhere in scripture where it says, if the same guy didn't write all of it, I still think God wanted this in. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. When I was a boy, I was a literalist because I was raised by legalists. And I would look around. I remember one time, again, don't know how old it was, probably nine or ten, right in the middle of the back seat because I had two older sisters. So the hump was mine, <laughs> sitting in there with that big transmission tunnel. And I couldn't put my feet on either side because that was their space. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at all of the trees on the hillside. And I, I said, Dad, how, how many trees do we use a day for paper? And he gave me some thing he made up because he didn't know either. I nodded for a while and I was going, the Bible says that the world's not big enough to hold all the books that could be written about the, how many, and, and I had to learn later in life, what synecdoche uh, and hyperbole are, and also their reality. There is no place to store the books, and you couldn't even write the books back then because you know, papyrus is limited. He's saying it's impossible to write down everything he did. There's another reason why it's impossible. Jesus was alone when he did a lot of it. Here's a fun thing to try. I've done it. Um, go through the Gospels. This may help if you get a harmony of the Gospels, which is where they put them all together, right? It, in fact, it does really help immensely if you do it that way. If you don't, just go through each one and you're going to have to run a spreadsheet. I didn't do that because I don't like spreadsheets. I just read, made notes. And try to identify the days of Jesus' life that we can identify in his ministry. So you're leaving out the birth, you're leaving out the, the trip to Egypt, you're leaving out the, the temple visit in his ministry. Baptism and afterwards. Three to four years. Uh, the Bible says about, and people think, three years. No, it's, it's vague. Three to four years. Um, we can account for Jesus' whereabouts on 21 days in three and a half, four years. 
they didn't write down most of the things he did. Where Now, we can, we can account for a lot more if we do the blocks of prayer and such. But how many times in the scripture, we brought this up particularly as we went through Matthew, how many times the Bible says the disciples found him here and something happened. Then the disciples found him there. Then something happens. Then he was 30 days prayer. And this time, Jesus did a lot of work on his own quietly, anonymously. Remember, he would tell people, they figured out, don't tell anybody. He just went about doing good. In fact, that's the biography of him in the book of Acts. One line. He went about doing good. Paul never tells a Jesus story. Not a one in all of his books. That, if that's stunning to you, it's stunning to me. But he wrote his books early enough to where he didn't need to. Uh, they, it really throws us. By the way, up here, there are four piles. That's only because I wanted to limit same touching. It's all one paper. All right, just one sheet is all you need. So it's printed front and back. This will help us for the next lesson. Um, when were the books written in the New Testament? All right, not doing the Old Testament right now. This is just the New Testament. And there are four different, um, one, two, three, five, five different sources. And so I'm letting you see what each of them say uh, and then arranging them in the order. So you can at least see how the flow comes. All of that to say, we will hear more stories in heaven than we have read on earth. And you don't know where things go. And this morning... I was so deeply touched. Two people I do not know reached out to me via, one via email, one via Facebook Messenger, which is amazing. I saw it because I don't check Messenger. Um, it's usually a snake pit. <laughs> so I usually don't. And, but it was thanking me in the kindest words for things I did. One of them says, whenever you preached at, whenever you gave a talk at and names a town I can't remember, but talks about the life changed. I have a feeling you're going to hear stories about the good you did in heaven. You had no idea. You had no idea. One of my favorite stories, though, still comes from uh, Colorado Springs. I got a phone call. Do you remember when you spoke at a, uh, Oklahoma Christian University and a group of men came up and attacked you? Oh, yeah. That was memorable. Uh, Sean had asked me to come. Sean's moved on now, and he does something else. He's a great guy. Um, about seven foot tall, weighs 100 pounds. Just, I don't know how he doesn't fall through the cracks on the sidewalk, but great guy, great, great guy. He had asked me to come out to do the kickoff keynote for the Oklahoma Christian University lectureship. I'd never been on campus before, so that was, oh, sure, I'll do that. So I came out. Two things really stood out. One, uh, I wasn't known in Oklahoma at the time, so I'm just standing there. People are looking around at all this different stuff and wondering who this guy is and which one. And one of them looked over at me and goes, have you heard this Patrick Mead guy? I said, yeah. He said, what do you think of him? I said, I'm not that impressed. When I stood up, you could see two red faces just going, I just let it go. It was fun. Uh, but the other one was right before I got up to speak, Sean leaned over and said, you need to know there are a group of people here that no matter what speaker we bring in, they come down and attack him as soon as he's done. I leaned back and I said, I've been booked for two and a half years. You're telling me now. And he just looked at me and he, uh, all right, fair enough. 
I did my bit. Here they come. White shirts, narrow ties, big Bibles. And they just, they harangued me when they were done. I said, understand. May God bless you. Is there anything I can do for you right now? And they looked at each other. So they did it all again like I wasn't really there the first time. And they kept doing it, but I just kept saying, I understand. Is there anything I could be doing for you right now? Finally, the president of the university came in and said, we need Dr. Mead over here for a while. I found out later that was all a ruse just to get me out of the room. I was thinking, no, I'm doing fine. Now I get a phone call in Colorado Springs. I said, yes. The guy goes, I need to apologize to you. I was one of those men. I said, what? Who knows what Jesus is doing now? Remember what the scripture says? Who among us has entertained angels unaware? Life is sacred. Live it sacred. As we come to our end, do you have any questions or comments? We've had a long journey with Just Jesus stories. And for those online, thank you. You've ridden with this for, I don't know what it's been, three or four years. But do you have anything you guys want to say before we go? Please remember your paper. And if you decide, I just really don't want to touch anything, you can email me. I'll send you electronic. I understand. All right? There's no shame in taking precautions. Nobody knows your situation but you. Right? Is that it? Let's say a prayer and then we'll dismiss. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the gospels. Thank you for the stories. And thank you for the time in a place like 4th Avenue where we can just take our time to unpeel the stories and where they don't, they're no longer just stories but they're revelations and they're guides. Thank you for Jesus and his patience. His patience with his apostles and the disciples but really his patience with all of us who still 2,000 years later have not really absorbed what he was trying to say. Help us, Father, to be open to your spirit, to be turned toward Jesus, and to focus on the star in heaven, not one on earth. Keep us sacred. We pray in the name of Jesus. The whole church says, amen. God bless you.